Right, what's up everybody welcome to the pursuit of balance hosted by yourself Corey. all right what's up everybody today i want to break down the six dimensions which are basically six buckets that you guys can look at in your lifestyle to really optimize your health your fitness your performance and everything else that we're looking at here and these are six things that we talk about with all of our clients and the, the way that i like to break these six dimensions down is i like to think about these six dimensions being broken up into three tiers right so tier number one is going to be the very superficial level of movement and exercise being the same dimension and nutrition. And then the middle tier of what we're going to look at, which are the next two dimensions, are going to be sleep management, so quality, quantity there. And then we're also going to look at stress management. And then the bottom tier, which is going to be the last two dimensions, are going to be um, community and environment. And then last one's going to be the big one, which is going to be mindset, right? So I'm going to break down these six today. And these are things that I am a huge believer in when you think about health being a little bit more of an holistic approach to how we're approaching your fitness, your health, and so forth. Um, a lot of us, especially in my industry, when you think about trainers and coaches, we tend to focus on the very top two ones, which is your movement and exercise. And some people just exercise and then nutrition, right? But we have to remember that these two things are very superficial if the foundation underneath it is broken, right? And this is something through personal development and just in throughout my career with clients as well that I started to really notice that like, okay, if I keep giving someone a diet and I keep giving someone an exercise program and I train them harder and I, they eat less and, you know, the very typical move more, eat less motto, but they're not seeing results from it. It could either be from sustainability of the approach or generally what it's going to be is going to be a foundational issue underneath it, right? Which could be, hey, maybe this person's stressed out or maybe this person doesn't have good sleep quality. Maybe this person is, you know, in the wrong environment and community. Maybe this person's in a bad mindset to begin with. So how do you approach health in a way that A, is going to be the most sustainable approach but B is going to give you results that last, right? Because at the end of the day, when you guys think about your health and your fitness and your aesthetics and your performance, getting to the goal is always not the hardest part. It's keeping those results once you get there, right? Because as humans, we're very habitual, right? And being an habitual creature, changing a lifestyle habit or changing a long-term habit that you had, good or bad, whatever it might be, it takes a lot of time to really redevelop these habits into something that's more sustainable and more aligned to your goals, right? So I'm going to break down all six of these. I'm not going to spend too much time on the very top two because, you know, this is obviously something that we'll talk about in future podcasts a lot, uh, but really spend a little bit more time in the bottom four, right? So starting from the top, when you think about movement and exercise, you have to remember, even though these are in the same dimension and same bucket of work, they are different from each other, right? Because exercise is going to be your dedicated time to exercise, right? Which could be whatever you have in your fitness regimen. And then your movement is going to be your daily activity. And for 90 plus percent of people that I work with and 90% of people probably listening to this, fat loss is generally the goal for most, right? Build some muscle, lose some fat, get a little bit leaner, right? So movement is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And this is actually where your body does a better job and a more efficient job of burning fat, right? People forget that fat can only be burned when there's a presence of oxygen, right? So without oxygen present, your body has a really, really hard time metabolizing fat. So your movement is going to be more important than your exercise. You could have the best exercise regimen in the world, but remember that that's only three or four or five hours a week out of the 168 total hours a week that we have. 
So what are you doing day to day from a movement perspective that's going to be a little bit more conducive and aligned with your goals? That's a big piece, right? So unfortunately, in modern day society, we live where everyone is sitting down 10, 12, 14 hours a day coming to the gym for those that are. And then wondering why their goals are not coming at the pace that they should or they're just not even hitting their goals at all. And a lot of times it's because the sedentary lifestyle outside of the gym, right? So my biggest piece of advice for everyone listening to this is when you look at movement and exercise, remember, yes, exercise is very, very important, but your movement is going to be more important, right? So for those that are behind a desk all day, waking up in the morning, getting some sunlight, walking the dog, or taking a break from work every couple hours or hour, just doing things to get your body to move around is going to be one of the most efficient ways when we think about weight loss and fat loss, right? Exercise being the other one, which I'm not going to spend too much time on today, right? Then the second dimension is going to be nutrition. What you put into your body is what you get out of your body, right? And it's not about just what you're eating. It's how you're eating. It's when you're eating. There's a lot of things to really unpack from the nutrition thing, which once again, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on these two dimensions just because there's so much to unpack from them, just like there is with the other four. But today I'm really going to focus on those. So those are what we call the superficial layer, right? And what I mean by the superficial layer is, yes, moving more and exercising and eating well are all going to be things that are going to be a great start to your health and really optimizing that. But we have to understand that what we're going to look at and talk about for the rest of this is going to be that thing that's a really, really going to allow this to become more sustainable, right? So number three, which is going to be kind of our middle tier now, is going to be sleep. When looking at sleep, it's not just about getting the very typical seven to nine hours of rest. It's also looking at kind of how is the quality of sleep, right? What are the stages of sleep that you are spending when you are in bed for those eight hours? Because to begin with, a lot of people, yes, are struggling on the quantity side. If you're only spending five hours in bed, I can guarantee the quality is not going to be the best. And also just due to the fact that it's so little, right? You're missing stages of sleep. Um, and on the other end of it, too, when you look at sleep, you have to remember sleep is kind of like a U-curve. There's going to be, obviously, diminishing return when you're having way too little. But also on the other end of it, if you're someone that is sleeping 10-plus hours a day, that also is going to have inverse effects as well. So we're kind of looking at a sweet spot there, right? And we're looking at sleep being the thing that allows your body to recover, right? Because when you look at exercise and you look at movement and you look at nutrition and all these things, we're only as good as our recovery, so if you have someone that exercises really, really, you know, really, really intense with really, really high volume, we have to understand that that program is only as good as the recovery that follows it, right? So if you have someone that has a really intense program and really shit recovery, I'm going to tell you right now that they're either going to run into injuries, they're going to run into a plateau, they're going to run into a point where they actually kind of just start to cap off, right? And where that cap is hitting is always going to be way too early from where it should be, right? And if you have a really, really, really good recovery protocol, then you're someone that can train at a high intensity, at a high volume, and you can last a lot longer, but more importantly, safer, right? So, um, okay, so coming back from that, so that's 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 the thing about sleep, is sleep is gonna be the area that we can focus on with recovery, right? So when we look at a training protocol, just like I was stating, that your training is only as good as your recovery. So if you have the biggest piece of recovery being sleep, and that is inefficient or that doesn't have good quality of good stages of sleep, I'm going to tell you right now, you will hit that wall way earlier than you want to. So for those that are not tracking sleep, this is one of my biggest pieces of advice. I love data because data just makes life really, really easy to kind of be able to assess and move forward and reassess from what we're doing. 
So I use Aura Ring, I use Whoop. I've used a lot of different kind of devices. Aura Ring by far is my favorite. And I think just from the quality of data and the metrics of data and how it actually reads, it's just way more accurate than anything else. So we want to pay attention to two things really when we're looking at sleep, right? The two main ones when we think about the stages. And that's deep and that's REM. How much deep sleep are you getting out of the time that's spent in bed and how much REM sleep are you getting out of the time that you're spending in bed? If all your sleep, and even if you are someone that's getting eight hours, is spent you know, in light stages, you're not getting the restorative stages of sleep. And that's going to be the biggest thing, right? So that's going to be kind of the dimension number three. And then dimension number four is going to be stress management. I'm going to tell you right now, more so ever than my entire career, this last year I've been more therapist than I have been trainer a lot. So when you look at stress management, here's the one thing you need to remember about stress management. Your body does not compartmentalize stress, meaning, oh, my boss is yelling at me or my I'm having relationship problems at home or my body's overtraining or I'm malnourished or I'm stressed out because of the way I look or feel. Your body doesn't have different compartments. It's just on or off, right? So when you think about the autonomic nervous system in the human body, there's two different zones, right? We're looking at the sympathetic state and we're looking at a parasympathetic state. If you are someone that is very sympathetically driven, sympathetic is basically fight or flight, right? Um, your body is not allowing your body to get into this parasympathetic state, which is the rest and digest, which is where your body actually gets recovery from, right? And that is the most important piece when we're looking at recovery again. So we're talking about sleep and we're talking about stress management. We have to look at, are we getting enough quality and quantity of sleep, but also are we getting enough time on the stress management side for our body to get back into this parasympathetic state? It's in the name. Rest and digest is the name of the parasympathetic state, right? So when you think about the top tier like we were talking about, you're someone that has a badass exercise program and you think you have a pretty solid diet for the most part. If your body is always sympathetically driven, you're not digesting well. And the reason why is your body is actually fueling the activity of stress. So to make this really simple, everyone likes to use this example. If I was on a hike and a mountain lion started to chase me, my body is in a sympathetic state. It's, you know, it's in the fight or flight response. It's fueling muscles. It's fuel. It's doing everything it can to make sure that my muscular system is working at its optimal level to be able to handle that stress. Now, remember that there is no difference between being chased by a mountain lion, being stressed in work, the relationship, like everything else I was just talking about. So... What are you doing to manage stress? What are you doing to allow for your body to get back into this parasympathetic state? That's going to be a really, really, really big piece, right? And these are things that I'll probably talk about next week with just stress management techniques. Um, because for me, it's probably one of the most important things I work with with my clients. Because at the end of the day, a diet and exercise program is only as good as its sleep regimen and its stress management techniques, right? So... We want to have this fine balance between getting in a sympathetic state, but also the ability to get back out of it. Um, it's kind of how we look at like aerobic training for clients and athletes. It's like, yes, we want your heart rate to get high, but also I want to look at how well does your body recover from that, right? How well can from that stimulus that has been provided when I get into rest, can I get back into rest pretty efficiently? And that's the same thing with stress. We want stress. Stress is good. Stress is how we get strong. Stress is how we get better. But we don't want to spend all of our time in stress because then you are chronically stressed. We want stress to be an acute thing, not a chronic thing, right? So these are the middle tiers and why this is more important than your exercise and your nutrition. And before everyone thinks that, oh, I just focus on sleep and managing stress first before I get into exercise and nutrition, they all domino into each other. They all you know, complement each other in a way. So it's not like just do one first and then wait for the other one to kind of heal itself, then start. 
you want to do a little bit of everything. And this is kind of where the whole, you know, pursuit of balance once again comes in play is we want to find that fine balance between everything that we are doing. Then the bottom tier, which are going to be the big ones, I call this my therapy level with clients, is going to be your community and your environment and your mindset. So when you think about your community and your environment, you want to look at these things being the external factors. So let's come back to stress, right? If I'm looking at stress being something that someone you know, or a client struggles with and they are chronically stressed and a lot of that maybe for most people is coming from work or family life or being stuck at home in the pandemic, whatever, that's the environment, right? That's, that's the stuff going on around that. What are things that I can maybe change in that person's lifestyle to actually help them manage that, right? It's not always necessarily like, oh, go hike and go meditate and, you know, the very – what people think is the hippie protocol, but it's also like you need to look at those other things because if there is stress that you're having a hard time controlling, yes, if you're really, really good at managing it, you can handle a lot more. But also if you're not really good at managing, we also need to look at maybe changing some of those things. So maybe not putting so much focus on work, maybe not putting so much focus in some of these areas that you deem important um, and trying to reevaluate some of those things, right? And then when you look at sleep, let's think about the environment question on that one, right? Are, are you sleeping in a really hot room? Are you sleeping in a, in a room that has a lot of light? Are you on screens all night, right? Like these are environmental factors that are going to play into what's going to manage your stress, right? And the stress management, when you think about community, I always like to use this as a funny example, is if I was trying to quit drinking, I don't want to hang out with my friends that are alcoholics or like drinking. I don't want to hang out at a bar. That's a community problem. I want to put myself in a community and I want to put myself in an environment that's going to be conducive to my goals. It's going to be aligned with my goals. And that's where this piece is going to be so important because that's what really affects the middle tier and when the middle tier affects the top here. So we're kind of seeing how we can connect all these dots. The last one, which is the biggest one and which is the hardest one and which is the one that will forever, ever always need some type of attention and work on is going to be your mindset. Your mindset is going to dictate how successful you are with everything that you do in your life, right? From work to relationships to your body to your fitness to your health to whatever. Your mindset is the thing that is the internal narrative. The community and the environment is the external narrative. And the reason why I think mindset is the most important piece is because I know people that are still in external environments and factors such as community environment that are not really the best, right? Or not deemed aligned to their goals and somehow still have success with their health and their body and their jobs and their relationships. And that's because their mindset, right? And the, re the reason why mindset is so hard to change is because a lot of that is your upbringing, right? Like as a child, our mindset is shaped from a very, very young age. So it's hard to kind of unpack and rewind a lot of these things and kind of you know, work backwards almost in a sense sometimes to be able to move forward. And it's the good old scenario of things get worse before they get better. Your mindset, if you guys want to know the easiest way to be able to train it, is the freaking gym. I use the gym for myself. I use the gym for my clients. I use the gym as a suggestion for my friends, family, relationships, the whole nine yards. Because that's the one area in life that we can show up and we can challenge ourselves and we can see how far can we actually push ourselves. Because at the end of the day, yes, exercise is a very, very physical stimulus, but I believe it is a bigger mental stimulus, right? A lot of times when you think you're done and you think you can quit or you think you want to quit, I'm sorry, like your body's probably only halfway there, right? Like mentally, we give up faster than we can physically, right? So this is why I love exercise as a tool, right? 
but we use everything as a tool, right? Like exercise just tends to be one of the easiest ones for me, probably because I own a gym and I preach this my entire life. But when you look at mindset, it's the same thing at when you go to your job and you push yourself a little bit harder. When you go home and you work on things in your relationships that are challenging, like everything is meant to be challenging in our lives. And a lot of times we're looking for this path of least resistance. And I 100% disagree with this. I think we should be looking for the path of most resistance, not because we're trying to make our life harder, but the easy route is the way for your body to get complacent and lazy and just the easiest way to not stimulate any growth. We want to do things that are challenging. And guess what? There, Once again, there has to be this fine balance between recovery and stimulus. And that's the kind of sweet spot that we're looking for is you want to push, but you also know what you want to know when you can pull, right? You want to be able to train really hard, but you also know, need to know, like, when do I take days off? You want to be able to diet really strict, but you also need to know that diet breaks and your cheat meals and the whatever you want to call them are also just as important. So these are kind of the six areas that I want to leave with you guys with and kind of things that you guys should be thinking at. And hopefully over this course of this podcast, I'm going to get better at it. I'm going to get a little bit deeper with it. I really want to be able to just use this as a platform for me, not only to kind of document the journey, but also provide you guys some level of education and something that you guys can use and take home to better yourselves, to better your fitness, to better your health, and overall just be happier human beings. And that's the goal is number one is looking good, being strong and fast are all great and are all important, but it's feeling good, right? Like we want to have a life of longevity, but more importantly, a life of vitality, right? All right. Well, I'm signing off for today. Thanks for listening for those that are listening. Um, and like I said, every week I'm just going to drop hopefully 15 to 20 minutes of a knowledge bomb and something for you guys to be able to kind of take home and work on. And if you guys have any questions, hit us up on any of the platforms via Instagram, email, whatever. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you.